we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount, right? The Sermon on the Mount. Jesus didn't title the Sermon on the Mount, just simply known as the Sermon on the Mount. But as I've been preaching through that, I've just called this series, as we've gone through, traveled through the Sermon on the Mount, called it Building on the Rock. Um, because that's, that's really where, where it all boils down here at the end, talking about building on the rock. So you look there at Matthew chapter 7, and we'll read the, fa- the last uh, five or six verses there, um, beginning in verse 24, verse 24 down through verse 29. And, and it says something like this, because I'm not reading, so you are. You can read, you can hold me accountable. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it, yet it did not fall. Amen? It, uh, it remained. The foolish man, however, is the man who built his house on the sand. The same thing happened to him. The rains came, the floods rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash, right? And then when Jesus finished, it says that the people were amazed at his teaching because he spoke as one who had authority. And then we need to remember that. He's the one who has authority, right? So as we, if we come to the conclusion of this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is bringing it all together. And I mean, it's been... He's really getting down to the nitty-gritty. He starts off with the words blessed and talk about blessing. And the final words of the sermon, the final word is crash, right? Great crash. And uh, so he's come a long way, talked about a lot of things, and I might mention them a little bit later. But as we, as we review this thing, this is not a complicated story. Jesus always shared stories. He shared parables and things, simple things so that we could understand important truths. Okay, and remember, a lot, most people didn't have a Bible. We all have a Bible. We, how many of you got? How many of you have a Bible? How many of you have more than one Bible? How many of you have more than two Bibles? <laughs> it's, how ridiculous! You know, we, we're just we got Bibles galore, right? And uh, the key is, are we reading them? And the other key is, are we doing what this says, right? But anyway, they didn't. They, we don't, so we don't understand. But they didn't have the Word of God. They didn't have the Bible, and so they're relying upon those that did and had the Scriptures and going to the uh, to the, to the, the, not the sanctuary, but the synagogue, and they would hear the word of God read and, and hear it taught. And, and so Jesus would, wanted his words to be remembered, and he would share stories and parables. We all like to hear stories. We like to hear good stories, good illustrations, right? Because it sticks into our mind. And that's why even for years, even the songs that were sung through the church, they were put to popular tunes. Sometimes they were put to tunes that were not even religious or godly. Um, but they were put to modern tunes of the day, and the words were written according to them, and it would just it would just flow with a rhythm and a rhyme that people were familiar with, and and it would just help them to recall it. Right? How many how many still remember the song? Those of you who grew up in church or around church in the Bible Belt, how many of you remember the song? The wise man built his house upon the rock. How many of you could sing it right now? Huh? Yeah. Kevin, you remember the you remember it? You, you, huh? Oh, man, I was gonna pull you out right there, Kevin. We was gonna we're gonna have a showdown right now. Okay, <laughs> you know it, but you can't sing it, huh? All right, all right, amen. But uh, uh, Mark, what about you? Can you sing it, Mark? <laughs> okay, all right. But uh, but most of us cool. We remember it, right? A wise man, the wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. 
The wise man built his house upon the rock, and the house on the rock stood firm, right? And then there's actions to it and all of that, but I can't remember it, and it goes on and on and on. But those things, why? Because they stuck to, into their minds so that they can remember it. It was important for them to remember it because unless you remember it, you can't do it. And, you, and you've got to do it. So we're going we're gonna to dive into that. So Jesus' message here, the, this illustration or story was simple. Um, he, didn't, he didn't make really many distinctions uh, between the two men other than the fact one was wise and one was foolish. He didn't talk about the way they looked. He didn't talk about their level of talent, their charisma, or anything else. Um, just not much distinction there other than we understand in the end that one was wise and one was foolish. There was no distinction between the houses that they were building. There wasn't attention given to how uh, nice that one house was built and how poorly the other one was built or anything. It wasn't in, there wasn't any mention about how much effort one man put into his house as the other. And uh, the implication here is that one worked just as hard on his house as the other one did. That wasn't the important point. Um, it wasn't about the effort. The, the, the uh, significance of the story was not about the storms. Both of them faced storms, and both of them uh, were the same in all practical purposes, okay? And so that wasn't the emphasis. What was the emphasis? What was the important thing? The differences that Jesus drew attention to were the foundation that the two men built upon and the end results. And it revealed which man was wise and which one was foolish, right? And so this is not complicated. So as we talk about this today, the, we're focusing upon the foundation. And how many different foundations can we build upon? Really, how many are there? How many foundations? Two, <laughs> right? It's either we're building on the rock or you're building on sand. If it's not the rock, no matter whatever else, whatever foundation it is, it's sand, all right? And so there's only two foundations, amen? And, uh, and so that's just the way it is, the rock or the sand. The rock foundation is when we hear the Word of God, like what we did today, we hear the Word of God, and then we do it, right? When we do what Jesus said. The great story in, in Genesis, when we read about a great man by the name of Noah, and uh, Genesis chapter 7, it'll talk about Noah, and it says, what was Noah called to do? Build the ark, right? And, um, and the Bible says that Noah did exactly as the Lord commanded. He did everything that God commanded. How many think it might be important if, if there's going to be a worldwide flood? I mean, Noah faced a flood like no other generation, no other time had faced. How do you believe you're going to face that kind of flood? It'd be important that you follow the details to the T. Right? You're not going to cut any corners. You're not going to say, oh, that's good enough, you know. Uh, that, that board's a couple inches short. Oh, no problem, you know. Um, not enough braces there or whatever. You know, no. Noah did it exactly as God said. And what was the result? They, it was seaworthy. And it made it through the, the most incredible storm ever. Anybody ever been on high seas or rough seas? It's not fun. And, I mean, you talk about just... Just make it unnerving you, and, and you feel no, no security, no safety, no stability, right? Just being tossed. I cannot imagine what that must have been like. And, um, and yet, yet, because Noah heard from the Lord, and he did what God said, he had what he needed for not only his salvation, but for the salvation of his entire family, his entire home. Amen? And so how important it was... That, that Noah obeyed the Lord completely. 
How many know that, understand that partial obedience is disobedience? We either do it all the way or we're really not doing it at all, right? And so there's no way to just build partial ark. You either build it or you don't do it, right? And so, so that's what it is. That's the, the, the rock foundation. That's what it is. The, the sand foundation is when we, we don't do the word of God, when we do not do what it says. And when we lean on whatever, whatever else, we lean on man-made creations, we lean on our own ideas, we lean on other people's words, we lean on our own word, we lean on the, what the professional says or the, or the modern philosophy, what they have to say. But the important thing, if we're going to build on the right foundation, the only foundation is to do what God says. Um, there's another story to give the other side of this, uh, the sand foundation. Um, there's a great story, not a great story, I guess, but sad story, really, uh, first, uh, first Samuel. And if you would read there, First Samuel chapter uh, 15, you'll read about a man by the name of King Saul, the first king of Israel. You remember him? And, uh, and God gave Saul a specific command and that he was to go and, and to take out all of the Amalekites. They had, been, they had completely fallen. They, had, they were depraved and come to that point where only God can discern, where they were just beyond recovery. And uh, they had, the things that they had done to Israel, to God's people, were unspeakable. And God gave Saul the command to go and, and uh, take them out. And there was no living thing, no living animals left or anything. And at the end of it all... Um, he comes back and, and he has spared the king and he has spared the, the best of the sheep and he shared, spared the best of the cattle. And all of a sudden Samuel, the man of God, the prophet, comes in and he says to Saul, what is this that you have done? And he said, I've, I've done the will of the Lord. I've done the will of God. And all of a sudden in the background, Remember, we, we talk about the sins will find you out, right? You can't hide things. You can't hide things from God. And all of a sudden in the background, nobody muzzled the sheep. <laughs> nobody muzzled the cattle. And so all of a sudden, Samuel hears the, the, the bleeding of the sheep and the lowing of the cattle. And he hears that in the background. And uh, Saul just said, yeah, I carried out the command of the Lord. And uh, Samuel said, then what's, what's these sounds that I'm hearing? Why am I hearing about all these animals? Right? And, um, and let, me, let me just read to you there from 1 Samuel 15, and it says this. Just listen to this. Samuel said, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and he sent you on a mission, saying, go and completely destroy the wicked people, the Malachites, make war on them until you wipe them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the, Lord, in the eyes of the Lord? But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. Anybody ever tried to justify your actions, justify yourself? Right? The Spirit of God is saying, you didn't do what you were supposed to do. And you're like, yeah, I really did. <laughs> and we try to justify. Um, sometimes people try to do that. But, but I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. Did he go on the mission? Yeah. And I completely destroyed the Amalekites. Did he? No, there's still a king. And I brought back, I completely, look at this. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag, their king. The soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what 
was devoted to God in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. I only spared the king. And the people just shared, they just spared the best. And, and the reason we did that, because we just wanted to offer God the best that, that they had. They wanted to offer God something that, that was detestable to God. All right? But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. And to, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he's rejected you as king. Well, because Saul did not follow the Lord, because he didn't do what God said, his kingdom fell with a great crash. On one hand, Noah did what, did what God said, survives, there's life, there's victory, people make it through and it's great. On the other hand, Saul cuts corners, he only partially obeys, and, um, and things fall apart. These are examples of the two foundations that we're talking about, right? And uh, how many of you ever said something, you really, you really meant it, but you come to find out, you know what, maybe I wasn't as strong as I thought I was. That happened to Peter, you know. Peter said, hey, Lord, listen, I'm with you. I'm going to go with you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm, I'm with you 110%. And, and Peter said, Lord, no matter what happens, even, even I'll follow you even to death. And we all know before 24 hours was up, Peter denied the Lord not once, not twice, but three times he denied that he even knew the Lord. What happened? Why did he do that? <laughs> because his life was on the line. Well, he just said, God, even if it's to the point of death. But how many know sometimes we don't even know ourselves? But God does. We're talking about obedience. Now, now to be fair, Peter's heart was all in all an obedient heart, and God restored him. Jesus restored him after he rose from the dead. He restored Peter and, um, and got him back on the right track because Satan was trying to take him out. And if you're walking for God, doing things for God, the enemy will try to do that to you, but stand firm. So this disobedient act of Peter was in the spur of the moment. Still, it was out of bounds. It was a sinful thing that he did, of course, right? It needed to be taken care of. But that wasn't Peter's pattern. He, he truly was. How many you know there's a difference between somebody who really wants to serve God and walks with God and makes, makes a mistake versus somebody who just flat out lives in rebellion and rejection of God? There's a huge difference, right? And so, and that's kind of where Peter was. But so, so folks, here we're, here we're talking about, remember, Jesus said, he's coming to the end of the message. He shared all of these things, talked about all of these things that he shared in the Sermon on the Mount. And he said, the wise man is the man who hears these words and does them. And in this message that Jesus had shared, he has just talked about he's just talked about the ways of the kingdom of God. He's talked about God-like character and holiness. He's talked about true righteousness and about having being righteous from the inside out. He's addressed anger and murder, adultery and lust and fasting and 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 pure motives and right motives. He's dealt with honesty and revenge and love and worry and judgmental attitude and faith, the narrow way, the broad way, discernment, genuine godliness. Building a building that endures and, and probably a, a, a few others, all right? Now, how many of you all got those things? He shared them. He got, do you got them, all right? He's talked about a lot. And he says, the wise man, 
is the person who hears these words of mine and does them. Now, do we get any credit because we, you know, we did 75%? <laughs> and and here's, here's the danger. Listen, listen very carefully. Here's the danger. We're not talking about legalism. We're not talking about that you get into heaven because you did the majority of things right, because you did more good than bad. Our best effort will never get us into heaven. But these things are the result and truth that Christ is really in us. We've got a people today that said when they read the Sermon on the Mount and say that's impossible, you can't do that, God meant something different by that, okay? And that's why it's grace and it just doesn't matter, you know, it's, it's just, just not a deal. And uh, that was still a different time. No, does God have these expectations of us? Yes, he does. Right? He does have these expectations of us. Can we do them in ourselves? No. No. Can we do them with the power of God, the resurrection power, the spirit of Jesus Christ, the spirit of the Holy Spirit? Can we do them with him living in us? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I just want to encourage it, folks. Listen, we're in a world today that wants to make excuses for us stepping out of bounds into things that are dangerous. Well, you're just human, you know, or whatever. We're making mistakes. Listen, God has enabled you and me to live above this and to be able to walk in holiness. That's one of the evidences that God is alive in us. Because as a, as a habit, as a practice all in all, this is how we live. We might trip up in situations like Peter did, but, we're, but Peter went out and repented, and he cried, and he wept before the Lord, and, and God restored him, all right? There might be a mistake here and there, but it's not your pattern. And if you and I make a mistake, it's not because we have to. It's because somewhere we just we, we fell in, and, and we, we gave in. So, so please, we're saved by faith in the work of Jesus Christ, who did live a sinless life. That's how we're saved, Right? That's how, how we all got that. So I don't want you to walk out of here with the wrong idea that, um, that you know, you, you got to live this perfect life before you make heaven. Because um, that's not true. But here's the thing. Are we living in a, in, in a time of grace? Absolutely. But grace is not opposed to action. Grace is opposed to earning. <laughs> all right? And by grace, we still act according to the word of God, but we know we don't earn our way to heaven by that. But because we love God, we want to do the things that please the Lord, right? And so, so here we are, the foundation. We got it, foundation. The two foundations. Everybody got it? You, you know what it is. You can share with somebody about it, right? And then, and then comes, then we, we talks about the storm. The, the men are building their homes on two foundations and then the storm. And notice that both men experience storms. And some of you heard me say this before and pointed out before. Just because you're Christian, just because you're serving God, doesn't mean you're going to live this storm-free life. In fact, you might suffer through a few more storms because of that. And I mean, know our faith is tested. That you know what you're made of. That you and I know what we're made of when we begin to go through these things. And that's one of the blessings that can come through a storm. That storms test our foundation to know if we're really living by faith or not. Job's faith was proven when he went through the storm. Right? Listen, if, if, if he hadn't gone through that, we wouldn't be reading about Job today. 
We wouldn't be inspired by Job today. If all he did, if he lived this great life, and that's what Satan accused him of, he said, well, of course, God, of course Job worships you because you put this hedge around him and you're not letting anything through. He never faces any kind of challenge. And God says, hey, you're questioning him? I know his heart, but listen, I will allow you to go so far. And uh, he was allowed to, to bring a storm into, into Job's life. It was a limited thing. I want you to know that whatever storms that come your way, that God has permitted it. But it is, he's got Satan on a leash. And he's only allowed to go so far. Right? And so anyway, you go through these things. And through that, you learn, you learn where, where you really stand. And you know, when we go through storms, and we all of a sudden were shaken... It gives us opportunity that if we're not building on the right foundation and we begin to be shaken, it's a chance to change our ways and to turn to God before we face the big storm. What's the big storm? It's judgment. It's when we stand before the Lord, right? Right? So these storms can be real blessings because they, they test our faith. They show us where we really are. And, um, and until we get there, we, there, there may be some uncertainty. And so hang in there, all right? Hang in there. Fight the good fight of faith. Paul said, I've fought the good fight, right? I've kept the faith. And so the, the, the whole storm and, and the outcome is based upon the foundation of your life. Follow those, model those who through, who through faith and patience, right, have followed the Lord. Model those, all right? So... Let me, let me bring this together. As we get down or to a conclusion, as we get down to the end of this theme, Jesus has shared all of, these, all of these words with the crowds that were there. When Jesus finished, what did the crowds, what, what, what was their response? They were amazed. They were astonished at his teaching. All right? They were blown away by what Jesus had to say. They were taking it in. But man, how many of you know crowds can be fickle? <laughs> right? And is that, do you remember the crowds responding to Jesus at other times? You know, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're singing the songs and then the next day they're ready to crucify him. Right? Crowds are fickle. And you know, we get those, somebody speaks and they share a word from the Lord and we get the warm fuzzies and we feel good and all that. Wow, wow, that's amazing. Man, that was powerful. That was good, 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 right? Oh, that was great. Man, I love to hear them again. Oh, I want them to sing again. Oh, I want them to do it again. That's good. That's good, but that's, that's not all. Right? That's not all. They were amazed. Why? Because he was a person, because he spoke not like others spoke. He spoke as one who had authority. He spoke as one who had authority. Now, isn't, that, isn't this a simple message, right? You build a house on the rock, you hear the word and do the word. Is that complicated? Is that hard? Is that difficult to understand? No, we all agree with that. So why don't we do it? Why do we battle? Why do we wrestle with it? Why is it important to know what Jesus says? 
because he is the authority. And you need to keep that in mind. Listen, pastor's not the authority. General counsel's not the authority. The Senate's not the authority. The House of Representatives is not the authority. The Supreme Court of the United States is not the authority. The president's not the authority. God is the authority. And it matters above everything else what he says. And so here, but here comes, here comes the rub. Here, here's where the thing is. When, we're, when it comes down, here's the key in all of this. Hear the word and do the word. But what's the challenge? Remember Paul talked about this? He said, the things that I know I ought to do, I don't do. And the things I know I ought not to do, those things I do. And he's wrestled, oh, what a wretched man I am. You remember that passage of Scripture, right? Talk about we wrestle. Why is it? Because there's, there's, there's something in the flesh. Remember, how did God create us? In his image and in his likeness. And then what did he call us to do? He called us to rule and to reign. Right? I want you to rule and to reign at that time over the, over the fish of the sea, over the fowls of the air, over the animals, and over every creepy thing. I don't care about ruling over those creepy things, whatever. This is. I don't like creepy things. You like creepy things? Get them out of here, right? But to rule, okay? And, and, and that was great. God put them there to rule. But what happened was when after the fall, <laughs> I like the way Dallas Willard said it. He said, you know, it's really more than a fall, like it kind of trips up. He said it was more like a leap <laughs> when they leaped into sin, you know. And, uh, but after that, everything changed. Do you realize God made you to rule and to reign, to control things, to take responsibility over things, right? For every one of us, that's the case. He wanted us to do that. But what happened after the fall we began, we began to do those things. We began to rule and reign outside of the covering of the Lord. We, are, we were made to rule and reign over the earth and over everything here while we're under the covering of God. And how do you know when, when men and women rule and reign under the covering of God, how they rule and reign reflects the character of God, the nature of God, the goodness of God, and it brings about great result. But when people come out from under the covering of the Lord and they begin to rule and reign, they're no longer surrendering, submitting. We're singing the song and talked about submission. I don't know if you caught it. We're no longer surrendering and submitting to the will of God. What are we doing? We're ruling and reigning according to our desires, our wants, our flesh, what we want to do. Amen? And in that, it turns, it, it, everything turns sour. It becomes perverted. And that's what we're seeing happening all around us in our society. People are ruling, reigning, running things, doing things that out from under the covering of God are, are being perverted. They're being used for the wrong thing. And what God does when we get saved, all of a sudden we bring our life, and I, I bring my life, and I bring my little kingdom, and I bring it back under the covering of the Lord and guided by Him, by His principles, by His holiness, by His goodness. And I begin to do the things that God wants done in the way that He wants to do it, when He wants it done, amen, obeying Him. And there's fruit from that that impacts not only my life but other people around. Does that make sense? So the, the, the question here is not, I mean, this is not complicated. It's not, do you understand? I think we do. The question is, are we building on the right foundation? 
Are we building on the rock? Is our life defined by doing what God says to do? Look through that. Just think about the whole list Jesus talked about. Are you doing that? Are you doing it? Love your enemies. Don't look on a woman lustfully. Don't carry anger. Don't you take up this thing of revenge. Don't worry. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You see what I'm saying? Are you doing that? Am I doing that? You see, this, this is where it's at. It's easy to talk about it, Brother Marvin. We could all talk, oh, yeah, what? what? Are, we, are we doing it? Who's, who, when have we ever had a church test that we got those? You know, we just, wouldn't it be something we had a bullet points of all the things that Jesus said? And we wrote them out, and we did a test and say, are we doing this? Heaven's keeping a record. Am I doing it? Are you? Am I? I don't, I don't want to fool myself. I want to know where I'm at so that I can make adjustments and changes, and I want to glorify God. Now, I'm saved, and I'm committed to doing God's will, but there's still some things I think God said, hey, listen. <laughs> Remember, I go keep going back, man, Lori, uh, the Lord gave Lori a great word, no dark corners. And we want to pride ourselves in the things we got right. You hear what I'm saying? So what, what that does is, you see, when we go into these things and there's an area where like, ooh, you know what? I'm not doing what Jesus said here. God, what's, what's still wrong in me? What, is, what in me is refusing to die? What in me is refusing to submit and to surrender to your will? Lord, help me that I place that on the altar and that I trust you. I trust you. It's quiet in here. The Lord's always moving when we get quiet. And it, it's a, I mean, it's a lot to think about, isn't it? Right? So the Lord points those things and he helps us. It's not the, it, it, it's a good thing when God points things out in our life. That's a blessing. Thank God he's doing that because it gives us a chance to address it. Lord, am I, am I building on the rock? We don't take things easy, but <laughs> I go back, son, with that quote from that great movie. With great power comes great responsibility. That great movie, Spider-Man. <laughs> Friend, look around you. You're surrounded by people who have been given great power. You have the power to reflect God's nature. You have the power to do good. You have the power to speak life. You have the power to bring positive change to the world, right? You have power to be fruitful and to flourish, and you've got great power. And how do you know with that is great responsibility. And it, and it grows as we go in life. That responsibility, level of responsibility will grow. 
and that you will use it and that you and I be surrendered to the Lord and that we're modeling living life on the rock. And, um, and so people will look at us and they see somebody who's doing that. And we may not be doing it perfectly, but we're, we're continuing to stay there on the potter's wheel, so to speak, and say, God, mold me. I'm not, I'm not justifying myself. I'm committed to that. How many of you could say, I'm, I'm, I'm really committed to, to living, to building on the rock? I want to do that. I mean, I really want to do that. Right? We want to do that. We're, we're committed to that. There's a strong foundation there. And in that's going to come great blessing. Thank you, Lord, for your help. I want I want to I want to I want to close with this. I want to talk about this and why the power of God's word, the power of who is saying it, because it's Jesus saying it. He's the authority. All right. And so I think I think the thing is is who are you really trying to please? Who are you trying to obey? Who are you really listening to? Who's that key voice? Okay? And if that key voice, that key influence in your life is the Lord, then you're in a good place. Right? If that key voice in your life is something other than the Lord, you need to reevaluate and, and get back under his covering. Okay? And I want to give you a closing, a closing story here, and, and you're familiar. Do you remember? Do you remember when 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 Peter He's, he's first coming to meet Jesus, and um, Peter has toiled all night long. What did Peter do as a profession? He's a fisherman. He fished all night long, and, and how many fish did he catch? Zero. None. Not one. He fished all night, and he meets Jesus as he's pulled his boat upon the shore and he's mending his nets, cleaning his nets, getting everything ready. He's tired, frustrated, disappointed, putting all these nets in. And as he's doing this, Jesus says, Peter, cast your net on the right side of the Listen, I'm a professional fisherman. I've been fishing all over this lake. I know the hot spots. I know where the fish are. I know where they aren't. Right? I'm the pro. I'm tired. I'm done. I don't have any energy left. Peter, will you just throw the net on the right side of the road? He said, you know what? This is ridiculous. I'll just tell you. You want me to throw my net right here, right where I've anchored, come to shore and anchor. That's what you want me to do. This is ridiculous. Now, he didn't, we don't know that he said that, but I guarantee you he thought that. <laughs> but what did Peter say? What was the key word? Because, nevertheless, because you say so. Because you say so. And he tossed the nets over, and you remember the story, and the nets were absolutely filled, overflowing. They couldn't pull in hardly the amount of fish. It was, it was so many fish, it was causing the boat to about sink. Right? Why, why did he do it? 
because he said so. Why did, why did, why did Mike and Julie Legero leave California and come here to West Tennessee to the little town called Halls, leave everything, their job, their home, and everything they know and come here? Why? Because he said so. Does it make any sense? Not in the natural. Will you, are you practicing a life where you're doing what God tells you to do? And you, if you're going to do that, if I'm going to do that, we can't lean to our own understanding. We're doing things, why? Because he said so. Because he's authority. And he always does things right. Amen? So it's not only about moral issues, it certainly includes those, but it's every part of our life. Are we seeking to walk in a way that we'll do what God says? And we're living that way, then we're building a life, we're building a house on the rock.